A long time in the future in the Milky Way galaxy, it's the Vercozicast. Each month, join Nancy and Robin as they read through the Vercozican saga by Lois McMaster Bujold. From Borear to Jackson's Hole, from Cordelia to Miles, it's time to jump through a wormhole and explore the galactic nexus. Welcome to episode 14 of the Cast. I'm your host, Nancy. And I'm your host, Robin. Uh, today we're going to discuss Cryoburn. And by discuss, we really just mean talk about like the last chapter of the book. Yes. So, uh, you know, I'm sure if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know that we spoil the books. But uh, we're really spoiling I mean, it is this a book. book podcast. Yeah, but you know, so. sometimes people will be like, oh, I wonder what they thought about that book. And then, oh, no, they've spoiled the whole plot. So, yeah. You will never leave wondering with us. No, you will never leave <laughs> wondering what happens in the very last three lines of this book. <laughs> Nope, you will not. <laughs> you will also not wonder how we feel about it. Um, sad. Very sad. Yes. Um, so yes, we are on our second to last book of the Vercuzzi no! cast. It's very sad. Um, what will we do? I'm sure we can think of something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I'm not going to promise we'll extend the podcast regularly because I... I don't want to be tied down to reading something every month because I've been doing like reading podcasts for like the past three years. That's hard. Yeah. And I have so many books that I need to read and that don't fit into any of your categories. Yes. This year, yeah. this is my year of no rereads. And someone was like, oh, well, you can't read any Verkozigan books. And I'm like, ah, there's two I haven't read yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that we could so nicely slot our podcasting schedule yes. into with your reading schedule. Yes. So I do have um, two of her fantasy novels. And if I ever get around Which to reading. Which one did you get? Uh, the two, the first two Chalion or Calia, however you say it. Chalion. Ch Chalion books. Chalion. They're so good. So if I actually just reread um, The Curse of Chalion last oh. week. So, yeah, if I get along to reading those, I might, you know, say, hey, Robin, want to talk about it for Always. old time's sake? Yep. I will talk about Casserole till the cows come home. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, um, let's. Talk about Cryerburn. Um, okay. If we have to. <laughs> okay. Now, Cryerburn was first published in October of 2010. Uh, Miles is 39 during this book. Uh, and it was nominated for both the Hugo and Locus Awards in 2011. Um, so now, you might think that we disliked this book. We don't dislike no. this book. We like this book. Not at all. I like this book a lot. Um, and I liked it because of the thing at the end, which let's just say it now. Rest in peace, Errol Vorkos yeah, again. Errol again. <laughs> super sad. So it's worse. I mean, that's getting into our next one, but I just started Gentleman Joel today. Robin. And it makes it even worse. I know. Well, I'm not that far ahead. <laughs> I told re listeners, I told Robin she wasn't allowed to start until we recorded 
this podcast. So well, but we were recording today. It's okay. So it's okay. I started I've a- it today. It's okay. I've already <laughs> skimmed parts of that book. Oh, ah, the hypocrisy. <laughs> uh, sorry. It's um, okay. Um, but I'm. Let's talk about this one before I talk about that one. Yes. So, um, I yeah I I. I don't even know what to say. Okay. So yeah, last year, um, I had fin- I had read Captain Perpetual's Alliance in December. Um, and I was, you know, two books away from the end of reading the entire series. Um, and I was going to do that. And then The Last Jedi came out. And spoilers for The Last Jedi, although I'm sure we <laughs> spoiled it already in this podcast. Uh, Luke Skywalker dies. Um, and I was very traumatized by that <laughs> i'm still traumatized by that i'm not yeah, gonna lie i mean it was a very beautiful scene and I, you yes. know symmetry and, and with I the twin it. sons but ugh, i don't want my heart it does it's really heartbreaking like i just imagine mark camel's eyes and it, oh my god i just oh, realized Nancy, stop what <laughs> i just realized something robin god oh, no. damn me <laughs> I'm damning myself. Oh no! Who Am did, I gonna cry? Yes. Who did we fan oh, no. cast as Errol? Oh god damn it! <laughs> yeah. So Robin and I came up with this amazing idea that when they make the show, Sebastian Stan can play young Errol and Mark Hamill can play older Errol. So now Mark Hamill's gonna die tragically twice, and we've just killed him off yeah. in all of our media. Yes. Just, uh, oh. <laughs> not the greatest idea yeah. i mean in terms of casting stellar idea exactly so mm. yeah going back i i knew that there was no way i could read a book <sighs> that ends with the death of errol Verkos again while immediately while you're still after trying to recover from yeah yeah i was like i can't watch another fictional patriarchal figure die um or read about it really because it doesn't happen in the book um right and so that's when i had the great idea to read the books with you and really it was just to try to encourage you to read the books because uh-huh. <laughs> i was like robin needs to read these she'll love them how can i get her to read them podcasts i know we'll do a podcast yep um, and you volunteered and, uh, yourself. There is a dog outside, so my dog has decided that that's like the end of creation. <laughs> How <laughs> dare it! I know. How dare that dog walk by? Oh my god! It's fine. His nerve. He's, anyway, he, I'm so sorry. He's upset he just has about to make Errol. an appearance. Yeah, he's yeah, upset he, about Errol. He is. <laughs> so, um, um, I so yeah I because I obviously knew about this beforehand. Um, yeah, I don't remember when exactly I had been spoiled about it. I think in I had read an article or something about the books, and they were talking specifically about it, one of Gregor's lines in the epilogue, which we're going to yeah. read, which we're going to read later because we because they're so short and we have to. Um, and then I was like, oh, no, that's so sad. So I'm glad that I knew that in advance so I could protect my feelings for right. a year. Yeah. <laughs> put, put that little bit of um, boundary up around your heart so it's yes. not quite so squishy. Right. Um, and uh, thankfully, I knew about it, too. And I was listening to it. Oh, no. End up <laughs> listening to the book right before I or finishing it right before I went in to have my hair cut. 
And I was sort of half listening because I knew it was the last chapter. And I was like, okay, you're just going to have to like distance yourself slightly from this because you have to go in and see people. You can't like be a complete disaster. I mean, my hairdresser wouldn't care, but I might care. Um, even half listening, I cried through the end. Yeah. So it was, it, it made me very sad. It's sad that Errol had died, but more sad because these characters, uh, Miles and Gregor and Cordelia and everybody else, but those are the three I was thinking of, um, feel sort of like friends, you know? And I don't want them to suffer. I realize they're fictional, mm-hmm. but it doesn't change my emotional response to it. Yeah. It's so it's a really, I have really weird feelings about it. Like the book itself, I guess let's talk about the book itself. Okay. <laughs> so I like the book. Um, it's not one of my favorites. I don't think it's one that I'll go back and reread for comfort or whatever, but it's it's solid. Um, I like Miles in it. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked we we we've determined that his name is pronounced Gene, which yeah, I was saying Jim I, the whole time. Uh, uh, if I when I read it, I was like, oh, it's spelled J I N, but the narrator my ever lovely Grover um, <laughs> says it like Jean, G E N E. And so I was like, that's not a very Japanese sounding name. Everybody else is like Sato and Fuwa and like, yeah. you know. Um, so I asked my uncle who lives about half the year in Japan, he would live there year round if they'd let him. Um, but his plan is to retire six months out of the year in Japan. Mm. Um, so I asked him, I was like, would it be pronounced Jin or Jean? And he was like, no, there are only five whole vowel sounds in Japanese oh. and they are always pronounced the same way. Yeah. I did not know this. So the, uh, an I, uh, transliterated for us is always going to be a long E sound. So it is Jean. I mean, probably some different inflection because I don't speak Japanese and yeah. I can't imagine that my uh, American pronunciation, I'm sure it lacks some subtleties, but it would be a long E. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will have to retrain my brain. That'll be easy. <laughs> sure. Sure. You know, sure, brain. I've, I've, you know, I've, I still haven't, you know, fixed the way I pronounce Berear and I probably never will. <laughs> but that's fine. Well, I think that's okay because it's a made-up name. Yeah, it's made up, and until they make a Verkozigan saga TV show, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yep, exactly. And then once they do, you know, then I'll be we'll, listening uh, to it all the time, and I'll be able to. And then you will retrain correct. your brain. Yep, exactly. So get on that. Yep. Netflix. <laughs> yeah, right. Or Amazon Prime, whatever. Jeff Bezos. Any of them. Come on. HBO, somebody. I mean, he likes sci-fi. They got the expanse and they can get this. Exactly. Yep. It's fine. Um, so but yeah, I I I thought Gene was in the tradition of Lois writing good children characters. Uh yep. made me miss Nikki a lot. Oh. Um I liked his sister. 
I've forgotten her name already. <laughs> uh mina mean yes she was i i liked her um i thought you know the i liked the twists of the book um Uh you know like it seems like it's going to be very straightforward miles sends gene out to go to the barayan consulate um and then you know to deliver a message and he's going to come back and then miles is going to eventually you know you know, team up with them and figure out, you know, what's going on. But though, then Gene gets, you know, caught by the truancy police, police. or whatever. Yeah. And yep. So, and this is like one of the things I love about this series is that it's for being space opera set in the far, far future. It's very down to earth. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's embassies and there's and the consoles po- yeah. and <laughs> and there's yep. the police that are like and there's surveillance you know it's not just like a kid can walk around by himself and it's fine like and they you know actually figure that out that in a you know f- futuristic society in which people are you know frozen you know to prevent death Yep. Uh, the police are going to be able to, uh, you know, find a missing child. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, I actually, for a little while, was really sort of confused about what the plot actually was. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> what is going on? Like, I get that there's going to be a plot, but what is happening? <laughs> well, oh. yeah, the first the first chapter is very trippy, um, yep. which I'm, well, I get Miles is tripping. <laughs> yes. But yes. It also like so like I I made a reading list for myself using the Varkosigan Saga wiki page. Not mm-hmm. not the specific there's a Varkosigan wiki, but the Wikipedia page for the Varkosigan Saga it has like yes. the list of books in chronological order. And so that's what I use to put my reading list together and they have like descriptions of all the books. Some are very long. Some are not. And this one, I think it all it says was like, um, Miles and Royk go to Kibudani and investigate a case with the help of Jin, a local boy, or something like that. I think I read that too. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's not helpful. Yeah. Um, so when the book started out and Miles is already on Kibudani, I was like, oh, I figured the book was going to start out with like him getting a mission, you know, and, right. and going to Kibudani. But no, he's already been there. He was going to some uh, cryonics conference, which again, I love that they have conferences. <laughs> like, I know. I, I can just imagine it like, you know, hotel bar room with ugly carpet and like <laughs> men in suits trying to sell you things. Right? It's the same the galaxy over, you know. Right, and um, I love, I love that. I love that so much. And even Miles' yeah. job now is very like, I mean, yes, it's a, you know, very extremely powerful job that most people don't have. But there's so much bureaucracy involved in it, and like so much paperwork and stuff that it seems much more normal than you know, mercenary admiral. <laughs> right. Yep. It's all very sort of mundane. Yes. Um. But not at the same time, because yeah. he's gallivanting around, you know, the known universe. Yes. Um, problem solving and <laughs> kidnapping people. And 
he's still certainly employing mercenary tactics in his <laughs> I don't auditor think, position. I don't think those will ever go away. <laughs> no. No, I think Miles is going to be 90. And um, he'll probably have somebody hogtied trying to figure out what they're up to. He's... Oh, you know Miles. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, um, I really... The, the cryonics thing... We've touched on in a couple of other books, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, Mirror, mirror Dance, obviously. Right, because he was frozen. Yeah. Um, Which but- I really appreciated all of the callbacks to that in this book. Like, yes. you know, Miles was frozen and M- Miles was died and frozen and brought back to life. And, like, it's remembered, like, but it's not like... It's not like you have to have read that book to understand this book, but it's obviously something that has happened in his past and they're not afraid to mention it. Right. It's not like a big secret or anything like that. It gives Miles a lot of empathy. Yes. um, For other people. Yeah. And and a motivation for why he wants to to, uh, figure out this case so badly. Right. Um, because otherwise, right, without that, it's sort of like, why are you bothering? You figured out the, the Komar part. Yeah. So let's move on. Um, but then he gets deeper, like he does, he gets deeper and deeper into the overall mystery. Um, yeah. I really appreciated, and this is a really random aside, but um, Bujold's attention to detail is just fascinating to me. Like each of these books is set. Well, not all of them, but like this one is set on a, on a planet that was colonized by Japan originally. Mm-hmm. So she's gone through and now I'm not an expert, but I know enough about it to, you know, glean that this is, clearly derived from Japanese culture, just like Barayar is derived from Russian culture. Yes. And like um White Chris, the White Chrysanthemum um a company is um chrysanthemums are funerary flowers in a lot of cultures. And oh, like okay. Yeah. I you mean that was know some, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> um but you know, just really interesting little bits that she's clearly done a lot of research on, you know, modern and historical Earth in order to write this science fiction series. And that's just yeah. awesome to me. Yeah. And she does it like she she does it with all of the aspects of her world building. Mm-hmm. Um like everything feels really fleshed out and it's very impressive and also makes me very jealous because it seems so effortless. Right. It does feel effortless. And weren't we texting about how we hated, like, I think I texted you that I hated how much she made me care about these people. Yep. That's what she does. Yep. Um, <laughs> I, I was almost mad about it. Um, particular when, particularly when we get to Errol. But what I was yeah. thinking of at that point was um, one of the other characters, Vor Lincoln. Oh, yes. Like, I really cared 
about his relationship with the children. Yeah. And I really wanted him to get together with <laughs> their mom. I mean, I was picking up the little hints as they were as they were being laid down. And yep. then like at the end, it's very clearly implied that they're going to get together. And I'm like, oh, I love when she does that because she yes. did that. She did that before. I mean, sh- I mean, she basically did that with Alice and Simon. Um, yeah, but I was too dense. I didn't pick up on those hints <laughs> nearly as well. Um, um, she did. I think she did that with some something else, and I can't remember what it was. But I don't know. I'll figure it out. No, eventually. I was just overjoyed <laughs> yeah. that that was what was happening, and that yeah. these are secondary characters. I mean, you don't meet Madame Sato until like three quarters of the way into the book. Yeah. And I was like, get together, get together. <laughs> I For was two characters that are so secondary. I was also very invested in them finding Lisa Sato. Yes. And when the scene, when they revive the, the body that they steal and they figure out that it's dead, that the, the woman is dead and like i felt so bad for like raven and uh, miles yep. and because miles is like oh my god i have to tell these kids now that their mother is dead and raven of course feels guilty and but is like also well there was nothing i could have done this woman was dead bef- long yep. long ago and um and then i had this go ahead i'm so sorry saying, and then when the kids come in like I had a lump in my throat reading it like, oh my, like, this is so sad. Terrible. And then, and then Jean's like, huh? That's And she's like, that's not my mommy. And I just let out a huge sigh of relief like, oh, yep. thank God. Well, I had been, <laughs> as I was listening to it, I um, was like, it can't be her. It can't be her. It just can't be her. Like, I just. Oh, you figured I, it out. I, I don't want it. Well, maybe. But oh, you also, just didn't want it. I mostly just didn't want it to be her. I was like, no, no, this is too tragic for midway through the book. Like, yeah, she's not going to leave me with that kind of tragedy right now because I know what happens at the end. Um, so I was hoping um, fairly desperately that it wasn't her. And then it wasn't. Yeah. And I was very pleased. Um, but I was, I thought that the children were really well written. I know we've said that, but yeah. like just coming back to it, so many kids in books are, ugh. I love Jin and the Sphinx. Yes. <laughs> when they found the Sphinx, I'm like, give it to, give it to Jean, give it to Jean, yep. give it to Please Jean. give it to that child. <laughs> I strongly identify with his desire to have a menagerie. Um, <laughs> excuse me. My acting teacher used to correct us all the time. Menagerie. Oh. Yeah. I don't know about that, but that was a correction we got every single time. Um, Bo didn't like that either. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I really strongly identify with um, wanting to keep every animal that you come across. <laughs> and I would very much like a sphinx, honestly. Oh, okay. I don't know if I would. I, I mean, but but then you could just you could say that you had a sphinx. Yeah, I'm. But yeah, still, I'm good with a dog and a cat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. 
Yeah, so this book is a little different than the other ones because we have three POVs. Um, we've had some multi-POV books before, most notably A Civil Campaign. Um, mm-hmm. But that is, that's an outlier because it's got five POVs. Right. It's also like the longest book in the series. Yes. By um, a lot. So this, most of the books are either one POV or dual POVs. Right. And this is the first one where they've had three. And I I don't know if they needed the three of them. I mean, I, I they definitely needed Miles, obviously. Yes, obviously. Um I I like that we had Jean's point of view, but like I, I was thinking back to the earlier books a lot, and specifically I was thinking back to the Vor game. Because mm-hmm. the Vor game, there is a lot that happens off page that Miles only figures out as, you know, he meets up with Gregor or then like other people come and tell him what has happened. And I was thinking like if that was if if she had written this book around that same time, would she have stuck to one POV and just had, you know, Miles find everything out from people like he he would send out gene and then gene would just never come back and so he would go to the consulate and be like what happened to our person you know sorry <laughs> but who also wants to know yeah he would really like to know um and like i i love roik like he's become uh-huh. One of my favorite secondary characters, but I feel like he didn't have enough of a arc in this book to warrant his yeah, own I almost, POV. When you were talking about three POVs, I almost didn't know who the third one was. <laughs> um, so obviously, it, it, I was like Gene and Miles, and who else? Yeah. Oh, I guess Roic did have a thing. And um, I definitely don't think that was necessary. I don't think it was necessary. I mean, I adore Roic, so yeah. uh, I don't mind hearing from him. But I don't. You're right. There wasn't enough of a of an arc to make it that interesting. And I think there was supposed to be because, like, he has the thing where apparently he was interested in. Uh, Pim's, Pim's daughter, daughter, which, oh yep. my goodness. How cute would their babies be? Um, and then there was like the part where he showed Jin the stunner and let them, let him and his sister shoot. Um, but I feel like there wasn't enough of it in there to, it just needed yep. to be fleshed out more. Also, like, I don't know if it was just because I am who I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but like I the whole during like certain parts of the book, I was thinking, are Raven and Roic gonna hook up? <laughs> because it seems <laughs> like they might. And then I'm like, but Roic doesn't swing that way, at least as far as we're aware. And oh yeah, it did say in the beginning he was kind of courting Ori Pim. But that's the vibe I'm picking up from these two. <laughs> I, I don't know get if- that. Okay. Um, well, it's just me then. Well, I mean, I, I, I didn't get it from Grover's reading, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Grover isn't me. 
<laughs> no, that's true. Um, you may have emphasized things differently. I guess it was just like that they were like, maybe it's just the way Raven acts in general. Like he seemed very overly friendly, but he seemed only overly friendly with Roik. So I don't know. Maybe I was just reading too much into it. I feel like Raven has some vaguely stunted um, interpersonal skills. Not stunted like, like he just doesn't always react appropriately in the situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because he did grow up As enslaved, a essentially, yeah. a, an enslaved clone. Yeah. So I don't know that that gives you the most balanced yeah, exactly. Uh, mental health. That reminds me of uh, Mark is in this book. Yes. Uh, Mark and Crane show up toward the latter half of the latter part of the book. Mm -hmm. um, Mark has interests in the building where Jin had been living. Um, he's, you know, Mr. Uh, entrepreneur man. <laughs> yes, uh, he is Mr. Entrepreneur man. And, uh, I really like his relationship with Kareen, the good cop, bad cop thing they have going on, but yep. like, they're not, Kareen isn't always necessarily the good cop. It's just what cop. everyone thinks she is. <laughs> she's just so sweet and pretty. Yep. And she knows it. Yep. And she plays into that. I mean, um, if you, you got to use stuff to your advantage. Yeah. But I really liked that um, Miles and Mark have this brotherly relationship still. Uh, they Mark just really wants to get under Miles' skin in any way that he can. Miles is just frustrated with his baby brother. But they're also, you know, really care about each other. And then there's that scene where they're talking about uh the dorona group's life extension experiments and uh and and trying to get errol in on it yeah and they don't even like mention his name uh no but like you know knowing what was going to happen at the end of the book and then reading that scene it was very very rude and i would yep. like to lodge a formal complaint with <laughs> um with uh you know Below is Master Bujold for hurting me. <laughs> yes, it's, um, can you file a complaint about that? Uh, sh I just did. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I, We've I, reported it to the proper authorities. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's this part where, um, I think, I can't remember who it is, Raven or Roic or someone is explaining to Jin and his sister what uh who miles really is mm -hmm. and it's like you know talking about errol and blah 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 and i'm like i hate you why are you doing this <laughs> um, why are you saying all this just to break my heart yeah um and then they have that scene where miles gets the vid, vid from a Katerin and like um their son doesn't want to be doesn't want to be called sasha Yep. Um, he, they don't call him Errol because of Grandpa Errol, but then he doesn't be called Sasha because of Grandpa Sasha, so he wants to be called Alex, which yep. is his middle name. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, it's... Uh, is that not his first name? Who? Alex. Alexander. No, his Whatever name this is child's Ar name is. It's Errol Alexander. Alexander. Yes. Right. So, 
Sasha is a diminutive of Alex. Yes. Or Alexander. So, so I'm I assumed assuming his yeah. first name. Yeah. So they were they were calling him Sasha because right. to distinguish from Errol. But I'm assuming that Ekaterin's father also is also called Sasha. Um, so he wants to be called Alex now. <laughs> I guess. You know what, kid? You do you. <laughs> he can be called whatever he wants. You can be... Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was all really cute. Yep. And then the baby that I can't remember the name learning to walk, and that was all yes. adorable. Lizzie. Or um, Tor- no, Tori. One of the girls that I yeah. don't know. They're not Helen Natalia. There's, there's Tori <laughs> and Lizzie. Okay. Elizabeth is Grandmother Naismith. Right. And Who is apparently still alive and kicking. Oh, yeah. She still is. At a hundred and some odd. Yeah. Um, there's a line in here when it says something like, Miles has a lot to live up to with Errol. And mm-hmm. I was, again, very angry about that. Like, so, the so, yeah. The whole book is about death. And yes. prolonging death. And, like, the fact that she writes a book that's about people obsessed with cheating death and pushing it off as long as you can. And then she kills with, somebody off at the end. Yeah, ends with the with the death of, like, he is not the main character of the series, but he is the central figure of yeah, because of the he series. sort of looms over everything. Yes, he's he looms after over Cordelia. He looms over Miles. He looms over Gregor. He looms Gregor. over to Brayar. Yep. Um. He's just there all the time, and yep. now he's not. And like he dies in his sleep. Um. He's buried in the ground. Um. Like the most natural ancient rituals that we have um and basically completely going against everything that has happened in this book so far and i'm just like Mm -hmm. why are you so good at this like (laughs) we hate you like this book being so good at this book like i hate it but i love it because there is no better ending for this book than that and like it's it's very subtle at how this book leads up to Errol's death. Um, mm-hmm. But when it does, it's just like, oh, punch in the gut. In, yep. Like, yep, because the, the, the end of the, before you get to the drabbles, um, isn't the last line of the main book. Yes. Somebody coming in to say to Miles, Count Vorkosigan. Oh, so- yeah, I'm going to read it. <laughs> Okay. Let's go read it. So first let's, of all... Let's just relive this. Let's first, just yeah. rip that band-aid off. First of all, I would like to read a part from Diplomatic Immunity. Oh. Now, as a reminder, Diplomatic Immunity... Unexpected. ...came out in 2002, eight years before this book. But it was the most recent Verkozigan book to come out before Cryoborn. Before this. So I think she wrote... Diplomatic Community, she wrote some of her fantasy books, and then she came back and wrote Cryoburn. Okay? So this is from the first chapter of Cryoburn, when the Bararan Imperial Courier is 
tr- is getting a hold of Miles to send him on that mission. So here we go. Uh, the captain's dark tau Setan features vanished to be placed after a moment by a man in imperial in Beraran imperial undress greens with a lieutenant's tabs and sector four pins on his collar. Visions surged through Miles' mind of the Emperor assassinated, for Kozigan House burned to the ground with the replicators inside, or, even more hideously likely, his father suffering a fatal stroke. He dreaded the day some stiff-faced messenger would begin by addressing him, Count for Kozigan, sir. And that is exactly what happened. It is ig exactly what happened she did the thing where she tells you what's going to happen only she did it in a previous book like eight years before yes eight years before and if we remember warrior's apprentice that's how he found out about peter's death was by the the armsman coming up and addressing him as lord for kozigan and he was like why is he calling me by my father's title um oh because he's the count now and i'm lord um, right. So here is the end of Cryoborn. Uh, that's funny, said Roick in, in slow speculation. I don't think I've ever seen him wearing his undress greens before. Miles hadn't either. That's true. He always wears local civvies, trying to blend in. Not today. Vorventa wore a high-necked military tunic in forest green, all his rank tags and decorations squarely in place, the green trousers with the red side piping tucked neatly into mirror-polished riding boots, and a more inappropriate garb for a space station Miles could scarcely imagine. Damn, but he looks shiny. Wonder what's up. We'll find out in a minute, said Mark, turning in his chair to watch the officer make his way among the tables toward them. Verventa's steps slowed as he approached, and his eyes searched the quarry, though his face remained stiff. Uh-huh. He halted at the table side, cast Mark and Roick a grave nod, came to attention, and offered Miles a very formal salute, though Miles was in no kind of uniform at all except his gray trousers and jacket. The messenger moistened his lips and said, Count for Kozikin, sir. <laughs> Even down to the stiff face of the messenger. Yep. Even down to that. Oh, my God. So sad. And that's the end. That is the end. That is the end of the book. That is the end of the book. And, like, as much as I want to see more of a reaction than what we have in the, the little epilogues, I... Again, I don't think there's any other way this book could have ended. And it hurts, and it's sad, but I feel like it had to happen. <laughs> yep. Um, and, I mean, I'm kind of excited to see Miles be Count for Kuzigan, Um, but it's also really depressing to know that Errol isn't going to be there to see him be Count for Kuzigan, and that's why, like, hereditary positions are so depressing. <laughs> Yep, because the you you train somebody your whole their whole life to do this job, and then you can't watch them do it. Like, yeah, it yeah, it, it is depressing. And I think that's why Arrow like made him his proxy for so long. But I mean, he had to be because he was on Sergiar. But she was on he was on Sergiar. Yep. But you know, in a civil campaign, like Arrow's on planet, and he's like, no, no, you got it. I believe in you. Um, which is really sweet. 
Yep. <laughs> but like, like, so let's talk about Errol because Errol is one of those characters that like, I, I don't even know how to begin describing him. Like, cause he does terrible things in his life. Errol. Yes. Mm-hmm. He has done terrible things in his life. He has basically almost driven his wife his ex-wife to suicide or you know his father killed her and he's just never confronted him about it because what what would he do what what is it gonna do what good is that gonna do he 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 killed the two men in duels which is against you know the law yep umbrera and uh you know various other military yeah he yeah, he was. He like had to the, make tough life or death decisions all um, the time, I, all day, every day. Yeah, he was one of the first people to be in line to dismember Mad Emperor Yuri. <laughs> um, True. He, um, you know, he he knew everything that Bathari did, and mm-hmm. never, you know, had him stand any trial or any sort of punishment for what he did uh i mean bathari is a whole other case but um but you know errol he he knew he was the one of the only people who knew of the truth about prince serg's death and he's he kept it inside all that time yep um he that comes up very briefly in the first couple of chapters of the next book ah okay um just a, I hadn't thought about Prince Serg in I don't know ten books. Oh, um, I think about him a lot. <laughs> well, mostly because I think about was? Gregor and I think right. about like how amazing, like how much I love Gregor because he has been spending his whole life trying not to be his father. Um, and I, it's just I love it, and I want a Gregor book. Yep. But this is we're talking about Errol, not Gregor. Although to talk about Gregor, <laughs> we are kind of talking about Errol because Errol made Gregor who he was. Um yep. But yeah, I mean, Errol is the butcher of Kumar. Like, and no, he didn't order all those people gunned down in the gymnasium, but I'm sure he did other things while he was Admiral Verkozigan. Um, yep. The very first thing he does as regent is order the execution of the Verhalis son, um, which in turn leads to them being poisoned. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and countless other things that we don't know about. Um, but he is extremely flawed and he does horrible things. And yet we fall in love with him like yep. Cordelia does. <laughs> and I think her, I think having her POV in the first book, first two books makes it so you can't not like Errol. Although yep. in the second book, there's times when I'm really angry at Errol. Um, and yeah, but you still like him. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's like, and then, and then he like, he becomes a, like like a looming figure in the background but such like a paternal figure like it's Mm -hmm. hard to imagine him as being like you know threatening admiral for you know he's just he just seems like he was 
Yeah, he just but seems it, like a genial grandpa now. You yep. Know? Yep. Um, yeah, and he that, does not seem like um, he does not seem like someone who is when we meet him, the butcher of Komar, right? Or all of these, you know, Horrible. terrible things. And then you get to memory or to uh, mirror dance, where you know he's going hiking with Mark, mm-hmm. um, and you know the scene in a civil campaign where he tells Miles about the difference between honor and respect or no reputation and honor um and it's like this is the guy who was the butcher of komar like and that's just like oh it's called character development lois is really good at it oh right she is good at that but yeah like we never get errol's pov in the whole series um he's just sort of an ancillary figure who influences all these people's lives and when he dies it's like there's an empty space yep big hole yeah and like it's it's also hard to be sad because he was you know in his 80s when he died yeah i mean he's lived a very thorough life and like considering all of the Rokosigans prior to Piotr died in horrible manners. Like, the fact that both Piotr and Errol lived to be old men who died in their sleep, like, is very impressive. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, he died really peacefully. He was, wasn't he sleeping in the sun? Oh, yeah, I'm going to read it. <laughs> okay, great. Let's just relive all of this. All right, so, yeah, I'll, I'll skip ahead to Cordelia's. So, yeah, there's a... After the end of the book, The Count Verkozigan, Sir, there is a section called Aftermaths, um, where it says, A travel is a story in exactly 100 words. Aftermaths, five views. And I'd like to thank Lois of Master Bujold for bringing fanfic. That's what I was going to say. I learned that from, I learned that word in fanfic. Yep. It's a travel, and I've written yep. them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the third one is Cordelia. It wasn't Cordelia who'd found him, but it was she who'd decided. A brain aneurysm, a warm afternoon, two hours gone while the servants assumed the white-haired man had fallen asleep in his armchair, as he did after lunch these days. Miles's voice was ragged. Couldn't you have had him cryo-prepped anyway? The technology might progress. To wake without mind or memory, soul in tatters? He told me himself once, no man will want to live like that. Or else wake with the burden of his memories intact. Hardly less a horror. Could Miles understand? Ensign Dubauer. I'm sorry. And Ensign Dubauer is a throwback to Shards of Honor when Miles, when Errol and Cordelia first meet. Um, it's the Ensign who is with Cordelia who gets hit with the nerve disruptor and mm-hmm. he wants to kill him and Cordelia insists they keep him alive. I had to look that up because I'm like, who the hell is Ensign DeBauer? And I was like, oh, my God. Right. And that also comes up. That also comes up in the beginning of Gentleman Joel. You're just you're you're the circle is now complete, Robin. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) When I left you. (laughs) Now I am the master. Um, Yeah, no, that that comes up in the first because I'm not very far in. Like, Mm -hmm. at all. So I left off, what, a day and a half ago with the end of Ensign Dubauer and all that. Yeah. And then now Cordelia's talking about him again. 
in the uh, first two or three uh, chapters. Uh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and like also pointing out this excerpt or this, this uh, drabble where Miles is saying, why didn't you have him cry or prepped? And we've just read an entire book about cryonics mm-hmm. and people trying to, you know, cheat, cheat death, death, basically. And there's a part where he is, I, I can't, I think it's in Roick's point of view where he's remembering Torah dying on Escobar mm-hmm. that he mm-hmm. got, they got to visit her in hospice and he was trying to convince her to be cryo frozen because, you know, Miles offered to pay for it and of course the Doronas would have done it for free for free um, and she was like no you know what? what's what's gonna happen I'm gonna wake up in a hundred years and know nobody and eventually Miles My- was like respected her wishes and said this is you know this is what she wants she doesn't but when it's someone that he deeply loved mm-hmm. that goes out the window <laughs> Compare, not, not really. compare yeah. and contrast. Yep. She's yep. very good at it. <laughs> so good. And honestly, it's subtle enough that it doesn't feel like you've been hit over the head. Right. With it, because no. that's, that obviousness is not something that yeah. I look for in... Like- so I had, I have read, I had read the end of this book long ago and that's how mm-hmm. i i i read the end of the book i think last year <laughs> just to tear off the band-aid okay and also because i wanted to read the gregor part because of that the line i had read elsewhere and um so i knew i when when i got to that scene i knew what it was foreshadowing already so if mm-hmm. i had been reading it without knowing i don't think i would have picked it up but um, I mean, I didn't pick it up until after yeah. like, I really started, pon- you know, thinking about it. Yeah. Um, but most people are not going to think about these books as much as we've thought about <laughs> no. them. Um, and I just, I love, I love all of the reactions to it, like Mark and Miles, like, and I realized, like, why she chose the people that she did. Like, there's Cordelia, obviously. And then there's Mark and Miles and Ivan and Gregor, and pretty much all of them are his sons in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, ugh. <laughs> um, yep. But like, yeah, Miles, like Mark, has a super complicated relationship with Errol, and like, you know, his reflection is basically on like what this does for Miles. But mm-hmm. like, I would really be interested in seeing how he reacts to it because this is like what he trained for his whole the first years of his life and now Errol is gone but he doesn't want Errol to be gone <laughs> yep um and then there's Ivan which is wonderful and he's talking you know it's about Miles giving the eulogy and Gregor having give his speech writers and it looked like Miles was going to throw it away until he saw his children and then, you know, ended up giving the speech like he was supposed to. And it ends with Ivan wondered what the old Miles would have said. 
and like that's such an ivan thing to say and like Mm -hmm. you know he's he's mourning his uncle he's also mourning miles because because things are going to be very different now yep sad and then there's gregor which i have to read the whole thing because yep you do because it's that's what made me weep in the car yep the internment at Verkozygin Serlo was private, meaning a hundred or so people milling around, which, A, that just made me laugh in the middle of tears. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the grave was double, but only, d- only one side dug. The earth waited like a bridal bed. The pallbearers mm-hmm. were six. Ivan, Ilion, and Kudelka, of course. Duv Galeni for Komar. Admiral Joel for Sergiar. <coughs> foreshadowing uh-huh. and uh-huh. one other lady alice to whom everyone owed their sanity pointed out that gregor's place was with the chief mourners aside i think that lady alice is like the person you need to have to plan like a huge you know distraught state funeral oh yeah like if she did not exist they would be lost <laughs> it would just all have gone to pot basically. yes <laughs> um so yeah lady alice to whom everyone owed their sanity pointed out that gregor's place was with the chief mourners the man has carried me since i was five wow Bo, he's very he's <laughs> he's he's got a toy um and I figured it would be just just to leave him, but then he got really loud. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. The man has carried me since I was five years old, answered the Emperor of Broyar. It's my turn. Alice gave way as Gregor went to help shoulder the beer. Or fire. <laughs> I'm crying again. <laughs> I know. So yeah, that was the line that I've seen before where the um, you know, the man has carried me since I was five yep. years old. It's my turn. Uh, <sighs> I want a Gregor so book good. so bad. <laughs> I it, know. It was just uh, why? Why is it so good? Why is it so emotional? Also, like she's very deliberate with the words that she chooses and so like Mm -hmm. when she says answer to the emperor of Barayar like she's not just doing that to like get a hundred words like she's doing it deliberately to show yes Gregor is the emperor of three whole planets and he's gonna carry this man's coffin to his grave yes and he Uh won't hear anything to the contrary like nope, they would ha- wild horses couldn't drag him away. <laughs> nope, and honestly, that shows what a good person Gregor is. Yeah, like it speaks a lot to his strength of character and how much he loved Errol. Yeah, and like I think, like you know, I I I tweeted something the other day about how much I loved Gregor was probably like my favorite secondary character in all of fiction, mm-hmm. and like how much respect I have for him for being the absolute ruler of three planets and not turning into a megalomaniac. And someone responded like, you know, it's because of Errol. And I was like, oh, it's also because of Cordelia. And they're like, oh, yeah, I was just, you know, following your tweets about Errol. That's what I was thinking of. And I'm like, I think Cordelia probably had way more to do with Gregor's... With him not becoming a megalomaniac. Right. For sure. But also, like... You know, Cordelia also had that influence on Gregor or on, on Errol. So whatever mm-hmm. Errol was telling Gregor 
a lot of that came from Cordelia Filtering. too. Filtering, yes, exactly. Yeah. So I, I mean, obviously, I'm sad about Errol's death, but I'm also very excited to read the next book. Um, be, to a get back to Cordelia's point of view, but also to see like what she's going to do next. Because, you know, yes, she's mourned Errol and, you know, that was the love of her life dying, but she mm-hmm. still has a lot of life left to live. Yep, Probably like at least 50 years. Yep. she's. Ba- I think they say she's 70 something. <laughs> she's 72. And she expects to live to at least 120. Yeah. So she's basically like middle aged. Yeah. For babies. Um, yeah. yeah. Which so- is like almost our age in earth years yeah <laughs> shush shush we don't talk about that yeah. sorry so yeah it's sad it and was like, sad but it's a good book oh yes it's definitely and like okay. it's really ballsy to kill off such an important character in the last three lines of a book off page that's true and like for it to have the effect that it does mm-hmm. is a testament to her Errol as a writer. And for to really have only been in... He has not been in a lot of books. I was trying to count no. how many. Obviously, Certainly the first two. Yeah, Shards of Honor, Brayar. He's in some of the Warrior's Apprentice. Maybe like half. I don't even know if he would be half. because I don't think it's even half. Yeah. He's in the beginning. He's in the end. Um, he's in... The war game, he's in, like, the scenes when Miles is arrested, and then he's at the end. He comes in and saves the day. Mm-hmm. He's not in Cedaganda. He's not in Brothers in Arms. He's in Mirror Dance. Uh, like but the second briefly. Half of, yeah. Um, he's in, oh, he's in the Mountains of Morning, briefly. Um, right. He's in Mirror Dance. I would say he's, like, in the second half of Mirror Dance, because as soon as Mark returns to, Mark goes to Berear. Yeah, there, there. But he's but I, also but, sidelined. But he, <laughs> right. But Mark has more interaction with Cordelia than mm-hmm. he does with. Yeah. There's with really Errol. the only scene of them, you know, hiking. That's going the hiking. Big one. Yeah. Um, yep. He's in memory at the very end because um, they they arrive it. They arrive with the snowstorm or. uh he or he does right. yeah 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 they sort of blow in yeah um, yeah yep um and then uh he's not in komar he's in a civil campaign but you know again briefly yeah i mean he shows up halfway through but he's only in a few scenes like he's in the mm-hmm. scene in the chamber he's at the wedding he has that scene with miles that's probably my favorite from the whole book or the whole series mm-hmm He's at the very end of diplomatic immunity, just being grandpa. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then that's it. Like that was his last appearance was in diplomatic immunity, being grandpa. And most of those appearances were very small. Yeah, I mean, a scene or two at best. And they are like very powerful scenes. Like, and that's the testament to who he is. Like he comes mm-hmm. in, and he is there. Like he like he he affects everything. And mm-hmm. I think that's why she was so wise to never use his point of view and also to not feature him so much. Um because he could vi- well, he because he would have just taken over. Yeah, and it wouldn't have been Miles' story. Mm-hmm. Um 
So yeah, um, I I am very curious, and I'm I mean I'm not sad I was spoiled for this because mm-hmm. it's so long ago. Like you can't really be mad about it, but also like I needed to know. <laughs> <laughs> before right. I read it to prepare myself. But I do wonder if I had read the Rakozigan saga as it was being released and I had picked up this book in 2010 mm-hmm. and I got to that end, what my reaction would have been. Um, and I really want to go and find like some reviews of it where uh, like people react to it as it came mm-hmm. out um i think there's an article on tour.com about it but i haven't really looked at it much gone in too much yeah. depth and also i wonder if i would have figured it out in the last paragraph because of the whole like the stiff-faced messenger and when they're like, I wonder what's happening. Like, I wonder if I would right. have put the pieces together and figured out what was about to happen. Um, I don't know if I would have, because like I've said, she says what's going to happen in her books and then I never figure it out. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I would like, I, it would have been very interesting to see if I could, if I would have been like, oh no, oh no. And then, yeah, I, the bomb is I, dropped. I, I'm not even a very good uh, test case because I knew going in what was going to happen too. Yeah. So I know. Uh, so yeah, if you're listening to this podcast and you read the book when it originally came out and didn't weren't spoiled, please let let us know. know. Also, I'm thinking of people who skip to the end of the books to find <laughs> out what happens and get to this and are like, "What the what the what f? The? How did that happen?" Because yeah. like I I knew what had happened. But I didn't know how. And so all the whole time I'm like reading it and I'm like, okay, but I know Mark and Miles are on a space station at the end of the book. How does that happen? Right. And also like, like I kept waiting for Mark to show up because I knew he was there. And then like I kept waiting for them to have some reason to like go to the transfer station. And then I'm like, oh, no, that's just like an afterward type thing. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I like so that re- can't be it. Yeah, Reading the end of the book would not have helped me at all for the actual plot of the book. Nope. And I would have just been. What? The what? Yeah. <laughs> I've done that before to books. Yeah. Um, um, I get this anxiety about is everything going to be OK? And I won't <laughs> read it if it's no. not. i need my media to be like at least have some sort of vaguely happy ending you know what i mean and that's another thing like i read a review of this on goodreads and it was like how i think it was from a romance author and she was saying how in romance there's very strict rules that you have to have a happily ever after that's what makes it a romance yes and these i mean these are not romance books like they're, they're all different genres Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, Cordelia and Errol, like, their first book was pretty much a sci-fi romance. And they ended up together. Um, and they've been, you know, happily ever after ever since. And, like, this, you know, this book ends, ruins the happily ever after, basically, by him dying. But it well, also doesn't because they I lived. Mean, ha- right. A ruined happily ever after, for me, is something like they get divorced or... You know, somebody has an affair or something like that. 
it, Sorry. Death is, <laughs> I mean, somebody, you know, a non-consensual affair. Yes. Um, <laughs> not all parties uh, are into that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, death at 80 some odd, it, it doesn't really ruin the happily ever after. It proves that you can have one to me. Yeah. Um, and I know that, you know, does that make this book a romance? No, but I don't think it negates their entire yeah. romantic history. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we'll do a little spoiler warning for Gentleman Joel right now. Yes. Um, so stop listening yeah. if you don't know anything about Gentleman Joel. <laughs> yeah. People were really mad about Gentleman Joel and the Red Queen when it came out. Oh, I can only imagine. Like, and that was actually what got me to start reading the series is because I was, I read the spoilers and I was Uh like, oh my God, I want to read these books. I want to figure out how that happens. And then all the comments of people going like, my ship is ruined. You've ruined my ruined. Nobody ruined anything. It just expanded. (laughs) To an OT3. <laughs> I, I mean, what, and and honestly, I like Oliver Joel. Like, I yes. get it. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I don't even know if I would call it an OT three because, like, it's very clear that Errol and Cordelia are each other's true loves. Yes. Um, but there was room for more, and they, and why not? They if were both everyone is fine happy. With it, you know? Yeah. If everybody's happy in that situation. Like, you know it was Cordelia's idea. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I mean, she is baiting after all. She is. Oh, my God. Did I link to you the fic with Ilion and Errol and Joel? No. <gasps> so there's a fic where, like, Oliver Joel is an Errol's only lover. Ilion, oh. he's also been in a relationship with Ilion for like ever 20 years or yeah, something yeah yeah it's good <laughs> interesting <laughs> i mean it's not, not my way we'll see if it's i don't my cup think of it's tea. i don't it, i don't remember it being smutty but it was just like it was it was it, good. I, I don't need the smut yeah it was good i just like a good romance mm-hmm. like i don't care who's falling in love i just want people to fall in love yeah healthily Yes. In a healthy manner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, there is a caveat there. Yeah. I mean, I am not Cordelia. I I would not be able to, like... Be in that kind of relationship? Yes. And me either. Yeah. But I know people that have been mm-hmm. that, um, you know, if... It, none of them have worked out long, long term. Mm-hmm. But a lot of relationships don't work out long, long term. Yeah. Um, but the people that have been in them were quite happy for a while. So who are, who am I to say? Yeah. The, uh, now, would it work for me? No. Because I'm no. a... I'm pretty I, monogamous. <laughs> yes. I am like like very, very monogamous and I would yeah. be like super jealous all the time. But mo- I don't even know if I'd be jealous so much as I would be insecure. Yes. Um, 
And yeah. But I mean, like, I am very happy that Errol and Cordelia and Joel were happy for so long. Exactly. (laughs) And I am happy that Cordelia is able to have a happily ever after Errol. Happily ever after. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, but that's we'll we'll dissect that next time. We will. We've but, got one more of these left yeah. until I can convince you to read all of the fantasy books. <laughs> I'm very glad that I that there is a gentleman Joel and the Red Queen to read after mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. because I would have been so depressed if there wasn't. Yep. And all my my friend actually who like recommended these books first was like you should read Crowburn and then Captain for Patrol's Alliance. <laughs> what to cheer you up? Yeah, <laughs> which is how they were they were published. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but but I no, I think that having Gentleman Joel afterwards is um, it ties in so neatly. Having mm-hmm. st- you know, like I'm basically reading them back to back, less than twenty four hours between finishing and, and picking it up seems the next one. Like from the stuff I've skimmed, it seems like a very quiet book, which it is so is far. nice. I mean, again, I'm not more than a couple of chapters in, but so far it's like nice and quiet and there's a lot of rumination and, you know, yeah. I don't think it's going to be like, uh, there's, <laughs> I can't see Miles coming in and, you know, doing his Miles thing. Right. And making it all just a, a whirlwind. Right. I can't see that happening. Right. So, uh, question. Yes. On your rankings of fictional deaths, where would this be? Oh, you mean in terms of how much it affected me? Um, like, just like, what would you say best? And it can be however you, however you categorize it. Best written, effect on you. Um, ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I think um, that I think this is one of the best that I have read. If not the best, definitely in the top five. Um, and th- there's a few from Star Wars books that have stuck with me forever. The, mm-hmm. the biggest one being Ton Fainan and Iron Fist and uh, Runt in Mercy Kill. Um, but, and, you know, obviously there's, you know, stuff in movies that have been very sad, but like, those are the two ones that stick out at me the most. Um, Mara Jade, I, let's not talk about that because. Uh, yeah, we, no, we can't talk about it that. It made me angry more than sad. Um, yeah, no, it, that one didn't make me like, yeah. it made me sad, but more like rage. Yeah. Like rage Luke, sad. Luke makes me despairingly sad. Um. I would say Han Solo is up there for me um, Mm -hmm. just because the scene is so well acted and just everything about it is like filmed so well. And, you know, it's like, it's just tragic as, and I'm not even like a Han Solo fan and I was bawling my eyes out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was, that was a rough moment. But Um, um, but I think for me, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I would just say, yeah, but I think this one really is up there for me just as much for a f- 
effect because it really changes the series. Like, it really changes the tone of the books. And, like, it's really, like, gutsy of her to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, she could have kept, I mean, she could write these books for the rest of her life and she could have just kept writing them as with the status quo. But, like, just how when, you know, Miles died and then stopped being Admiral Naismith, now she has to do another... A, another reinvention for yep. Miles. I would actually really love to have one more book of Miles as Count Borcos again. Yes. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Um, for me, I think this was... I don't read a lot of books that have death in them just because <laughs> that's not how I want my media. Um, it was one of the most realistic feeling, if that makes sense. Mm. Not in the like, uh, the, the the grief is very quiet. Uh-huh. And um, rather than like the gnashing of teeth, you know, it, it it made me feel sad for sure, yeah. but not in the heartbreaking way that Luke Skywalker did <laughs> Yeah, for me. Um, and honestly, not in the way that some other characters, because he'd lived such a full life. Yeah, it's, and it's hard to be sad about it. Like, I mean, yeah. it's sad. And I'm, I'm more sad for the other characters in the book than I am yes. for Errol. I'm more sad for Miles and Ivan and Cordelia and Gregor and all the grandchildren and all that. I'm more sad because I know how terrible they feel. Yeah. But Errol had lived a good life and he was happy and he was napping in the sun and like, oh my gosh, I want to go that way when I'm, you know, 102. Yeah. Um, but in terms of overall effect... I don't know how to quantify it into words. Yeah. Like, um, it's just, I feel like this is what a death in a book should be. Yes. It should, I it's earned. Agree. Mm-hmm. It's earned. It changes things. It doesn't feel like a cheat, but it also, it doesn't, it's sad, but it feels satisfying. Like, I, yep. I like that Errol fell, I like that Errol died in his sleep after lunch while sitting on his patio outside. Mm-hmm. Like I'm it's fitting that yeah. a man he, so, you know, ruled by war in the early part of his life got to die peacefully. He achieved some peace. Yeah. 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 And I think it was really well done. I mean, the whole, the dravels at the end and it was an incredibly effective way yes. to do that. Um, and I'm glad actually it wasn't more, um, deeply emotional, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. because I don't want that. Like, I just don't want to take in things that are that, um, at this stage in my life. Oh man, I used to, Yeah. you know, as a teenager, give me all the things about, um, depressing death and dying and, you know. Uh, a Nicholas Sparks book or whatever. But um, these days I just don't, <laughs> I just don't want to take that on because the world is depressing. Enough. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, and so I'm glad that it was sort of restrained. Yeah. Um, 
still heartfelt and um, you can tell there's grief in there, but not overwhelming. Yeah. Like, I think I was more emotional during Errol's heart attack mm-hmm. <laughs> where I thought he might die, but he didn't die. Yep. So. Agreed. Yeah. My cat is meowing really loud right now. She wants to get in here and eat some food. So I think that's oh, clue I guess for the podcast time. to be over. <laughs> well, the animals have been very insistent tonight. Yeah. They were um, very upset about Earl's death. Yeah, they really were. They could they could feel how upset we were about it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> next time we can talk about Errol's death some more because oh, <laughs> that's yeah. what the beginning of the next book is about. <laughs> oh, thanks, Lois. Yeah, thanks, Lois. I want to be um, like you. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, talk about goals. Talk yeah. about writing goals. Right? Oh, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, next time we'll talk some more about Errol's death and some other things. Yes. It's going to be a lot of fun. So there's a peek behind the curtain on the show notes. I There's this, usually a section at the end for like world building where mm-hmm. I'll, I'll like put in like things we learned about Berea or the Galactic Nexus or how the series changes as a whole. And all I put was Errol frowny face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our show notes this time are basically like four lines. Yep. It's fine. And most of it is about uh, Errol and several frowny faces. Yep. Yep. Uh, so thanks for all for joining us for episode 14 of the Varkosi cast. Join us next time as we return to Cordelia's point of view while she overcomes Errol's death. Bye! Bye! The Varkosi cast is a Tashi Station podcast brought to you by you, our Patreon subscribers. Visit patreon.com slash TashiStation for more details. And we thank you all for supporting the show. Follow us on Twitter with the handles at NancyPants, at R underscore A underscore Smith, and at Tashi underscore Station. Subscribe to the show on iTunes via the Tashi Station Master Feed or the Tashi Station Book Club Feed. And don't forget to leave us a review. Forward momentum!